This morning's scripture, we're going to be uh, continuing our study in Psalm. Uh, if you'll take a look at uh, Psalm 91 and follow along. <clears throat> this is God's word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It's the word of the Lord. As we uh, get ready to turn to this psalm, uh, just a couple things I want to mention, a couple people I want to recognize today. First, uh, Reverend Lindsay Williams. Where you at, Lindsay? Stand up for us, please. Uh, just so you know, Lindsay was an intern. No, I'm sorry, assistant pastor at Uptown and an intern too, right? Um, and he is planting um, a church in Raleigh, North Carolina, Midtown Community Church, Uptown Mid. Okay. Midtown, I've already teased you about that, I think on Facebook or something, but Midtown um, Community Church in Raleigh, um, and so they are a sister church of ours, and um, so if you know anybody in Raleigh, or you just want to see a church get going that's going to be an awesome thing, um, please see Lindsay or talk to him or visit on Facebook. Midtown has a Midtown fan thing. Okay, y'all have a website yet? midtown-church.org okay sounds cool so um thank you Lindsay, for being here this morning appreciate it um i remember those first days of church planting you could go to other churches and everything um uh and the second person i want to recognize this morning is my mother is here my mother-in-law is here uh kelly's mom wanda lane the original uh kelly um down here she, she ain't gonna stand up i don't think go ahead and raise your hand a little higher than that yeah i know when you saw that young lady you're wondering that, that couldn't be kelly's mom right there um so i'm glad you made it all the way from st louis to be with us this morning as we continue our sermon series in the psalms uh we're looking at psalm 91 and um i don't know about you but i uh i don't know like me some of you had one of those Bibles, right? Maybe you have one right now with the questions in the back. And it might be one that says, making a big decision? Read this. Are you worried? Read this. And look at this verse. And without a doubt, 
If the question was, are you afraid? Are you scared that this psalm, Psalm 91, would be right there? And I remember a time or two I would get scared because I was, I don't know y'all who know me, I, I like scary movies. And back then I liked scary movies. And with it, ironically, I have always been a scared and afraid of the dark person. Like a moth to the flame, right? This was a psalm that I would read when I would get scared. Needless to say, this was a childhood favorite of mine. But now that I'm a grown man, still afraid of the dark. Y'all yeah, laughing, but when I go on trips away and I'm in a hotel room and stuff, or I still sleep with the bathroom light on or, or a desk lamp and still relax with a reading of Psalm 91. I'm glad I got married. I can sleep in the dark now because Kelly's there. Um, but being afraid, having a phobia can ruin and control your life and the lives of others. It, it, it's been known to cause sickness and even fuel hatred and, and turn you what I would describe as animalistic. It can psych your mind, right? It can make you insane in the membrane. It can lead you to do crazy and dumb things and, and may even make you kill somebody or yourself for that matter. Fear means you find and believe yourself alone. And unprotected while being with something or some thought or historical event or, or, or person who is dangerous or uncontrollably damaging and, and possibly deadly to you. I'm not going to tell this story again. I must have told it a million times the time I got on this uh, amusement park ride. My daddy told me not to go on when I was a little boy, but I thought I was ready. And I was so scared that thing was going to kill me. Right? I was like, the bar's too small. And I just had this vision of myself flying out, you know, being on the, being on the news and all that. But, um, and my dad said, he had a smile on his face. He was like, Howard, that was great. You were so afraid. And for the first time, I saw the real Howard. Because that was real fear. You know, fear brings out the real truth about our humanity. Right? That we are frail and breakable. That we are not as invincible as we once thought and rightly convinces us that we don't really want or should be alone and unprotected in this life. Fear reveals that many of us do, uh, you know, that many of us are, are scared, that we believe that we are alone, that we believe that there is no help, that we believe that there is no benevolent protector, that there is no God. Fear makes us live out our real faith. And our response to it clearly shows us what we really believe. This psalm is freeing us and seeking to free us from having to be controlled or dehumanized by our fear and is declaring that there is something else as real, true, and heart-changing as fear itself. The Most High God. A God who is in control. A God who alone can save us. And a God who loves us. Now, the psalmist here probably and apparently is in some sort of war situation. He's been exposed to some kind of fighting situation and, and lets us know what? 
That there's a lot of things to be afraid of. That there are a lot of scary things that God is ultimately in control of. Look with me at verse 3. Surely he will save you from what? The fowler snare and from what? The deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers under his wings. You will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. But listen to this. You will not fear what? The terror of night nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. What is the psalmist saying? That there are kind of four categories of harmful things out there. Things you can't see coming, darkness, but you know might be out there. Like, you know, bugs live in the darkness, right? But but can't do anything about it. That there are things you do see coming and can't do anything about it. That there are things you knowingly expose yourself to as part of everyday living in your profession or your role of just walking around as a human being on this earth. And that there are things that are terrorizing, things that are unexpected that come out of nowhere. And included in this is even the stuff that lurks in our own minds, in our own hearts, that sin, that that dark place, that brokenness, the stuff that scares us about ourselves and our behavior, our behavior and others and their behavior. You know, that sheer mental and spiritual madness that eats us and surprises us as humans about ourselves. You know, you pick up the newspaper and someone did something crazy and you're like, what? I'm scared now because there's human beings walking around and human beings are crazy. OK, here's the point. There are a lot of scary things out there and in here and up there and in the darkness. You know, we tell our kids what? Don't be afraid of the dark. There's not a monster in the closet. And the psalmist is saying, sometimes there is. Yes, sometimes you need to be afraid of the dark. You know, there is unseen evil and dangerous stuff there. You know, sometimes I'm vegging out, I'm just watching Animal Planet. I don't know if you've seen this commercial for the parasites that people don't know they got. They ate something and the thing goes to their brain. They're like, man, I had this bad pain in my brain, right? And you just scan, you've got 40 brain-eating parasite worms in your head, right? You know, I, you know, I like watching this stuff. You know, uh, I watched a couple hours of animals untamed and uncut. You know, get this, uh, you know, stuff happens out there. Just campers went to uh, Alaska or someplace to, to camp and they were told, this is a time there's no polar bears. No problem. You can set your tent up anywhere. So about three in the morning, it's still daytime, you know, in Alaska at this time. And it's three in the morning, rawr, polar bear. They told us there was no polar bear. Somebody got scratched up. But no one died, but somebody got scratched up. You know, you said, guess what? Polar bear attack at three in the morning. Or the man, right? The next story. Who was just sitting in his boat. He was coming out, you know, the, what do you call those things? The, the skid, whatever thing you park your boat in. And he was just going into the main part of the harbor, just sitting there. And a stingray, the type of stingray not supposed to be in that part of the water, jumped out of the water and landed in his lap. Now, man's driving a 40-foot boat. And he was sitting at the right spot, thing, whoop, 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 and then, you know, they got the expert. They normally don't jump that high out the water, jump out of the water, land in his lap, put a five-inch barb in his chest, not just in his chest, it went into his heart. He lived. You know, and 
he wasn't swimming with the stingrays, right? You expect the guy from Australia, you know, the crocodile hunter. Okay, you, you know, with him, you thought eventually he's going to get it, right? Because he, look at this thing. I'm swimming. They could kill you in a minute. You know, he was, it was about the same, but unexpected. I was watching this show, y'all. I got to share this stuff. It's just awesome. <laughs> the next show, the same night, wild pigs, right? That wild pig populations are growing out of control. They killed an 1,100-pound, 9-foot-long wild pig in Georgia. They call it Pigzilla. Now, here's the thing. They said they mix them with Russian, Eurasian pigs, and they got these big tusks. And these things are breaking in people's homes while they're just sleeping in there and attacking them. Pigs! Out of control. You know, and, they, and please don't let me get started. Maybe I shouldn't talk about this show because of some questionable content, but Spike TV. Someone's like, you watch Spike TV and you're a pastor? But anyway, has a show called A Thousand Ways to Die. Oh. I sit there, I'm like, they're like, you know, the human body is pretty durable, but there are about a thousand ways every day you could die, right? And they have these stories that have been logged all these years and ways people lose their lives and terrorize and unseen, unexpected. And sometimes they die because they do stupid things. Like the man who ran out of some liquor and he decided to drink his gas. Or the guy who let his pet black widow sting him because he thought he could become like Spider-Man. You know, yeah, but here's the point. There are lots of things to be afraid of. You should be afraid of yourself sometimes, like the Spider-Man guy. But, uh, you know, you think about Columbine and 9-11 and just stuff not working out. Murphy's Law, fatalistic. You know, the bottom's going to fall out. Some of us don't go places or or move forward because we're afraid we're going to crash or break down or, or get a roof leak, right? And this is more serious and it's closer to home for me. Especially today. It's exactly one year since my mom passed away of some rare form of cancer. Today. She was not a smoker. She did not work in some industrial zone. She was not overweight or a drug user or anything. And this cancer, right, it wasn't supposed to be where it was and grow the way it was not supposed to. And it caused just the right millimeters and centimeters of complications to take her life. It's almost like the psalmist is playing a sadistic joke on us. Listing, don't be afraid, right? Listing and describing the ever-present potential for death and disease and pain. And in verse 5, right? You will not fear. And a better version sounds like a commandment. Don't be afraid. Why? Because he paints a picture through the psalm of his God, the God of the Bible, being in control of all those scary things. And what do I mean by this? Because people who know and believe in God, like you and me, and even my mom, experience this stuff and suffer from this stuff all the time. This psalm is about the Lord preserving the psalmist, probably David, life, you know, preserving his life from what could and should destroy him. I mean, look at the image. There's a fowler's net and, and it should catch David. But, but God, like a mother's bird, mother bird puts his, puts David under his wing. There are people and destructive forces seeking him and they should catch him. But he is verse two in the shadow or secret place of the most high. God hides him, right? That there are arrows. 
by day. That statistically and strategically should take you and me out. But God has stepped in to be a shield, it says, and a rampart. And a rampart is a is a wraparound arm shield of some sort. And then it says 1,000 and 10,000 will suffer in verse 7. But God has decided that the psalmist will not suffer and die with it. And it says that the angels later will lift him up and that the lions and serpents won't harm him. And it means this. Those scary things, sin, a fallen world, evil people, the evil crazy you, the flesh, your evil desires, and the devil himself do not have a free-for-all, radical, uncontrollable rampage on God's people and people God has decided to preserve and save from these things. What does it say? God is in control and powerfully sovereign and rules over all of that stuff. It can't just do what it wants with you or besides or above the God of the Bible and the Lord of your life's control. I mean, therefore, these scary things don't decide your ultimate fate and end and demise. They are not in control of your life. They, therefore, should should not be the deciding factor of how and where and, and why you live your life. Fear of those things should not be your decision makers or, or cast light on how you view or shouldn't view yourself or God and the world. They are not the end or the beginning of your existence and earth's final destination. Speaking of final destination, y'all ever seen that show, that horror movie? Where, you know, in the fatalistic world somehow, it's a different theology, y'all, ain't in the Bible, right? You were supposed to die, but then you get off the plane at the last minute, and death's like, "Uh uh-oh, you can't cheat me, I'm gonna come back and get you? Okay. Always some teenagers from the suburbs, right? Just... And, 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 you know, think about Jason and all these movies, right? All and, and Freddy and all that are based on the same things. Terror of night and arrows at day. That there is this radical evil out there that you can't always see coming. And when you do see it, what? you dead. When you see Jason or Freddy and they see you, especially Freddy, you sleeping. You're already dead, right? You done. Remember the ring? Okay. I mean, watch many too many of these movies. But you looked at the video, and if you looked at that video, then that girl ghost thing comes and gets you. You done. You are done. You're going to not get away with the scripture saying, even if you see it and it sees you and has an eye to get you and is bigger and faster than you, it cannot ultimately do what it wants. It cannot fulfill its course on your life. It will not destroy you. It doesn't have ultimate power and control over your life and destiny. God alone does. So the psalmist says, you shall not fear. And yes, again, it sounds like a commandment. It means do not make any idols out of these things. Don't put these terrorizing things where they shouldn't be in a life-controlling, consuming role in your lives. That's idolatrous of the thing and forgetful and dismissing of who the God of the Bible is. The one way you know you're done in one of the movies is sin. I was looking at this thing, you're talking about like the uh, the ethic, the ethics or the morality rather of horror movies, right? If you sleep with somebody you're supposed to, if you smoking, doing some drugs, if you break dancing, if you making fun, you're done, right? 
Well, you know, it's true. Even, even in our sin, y'all. Even in past histories. Even in ways we've been abused. Even in ways that we've abused others. You know, even some recession in this country or poverty situation or broken relationship or job loss or you name it, it does not and should not determine whether you go up or down or left or right or sleep or don't sleep or buy or sell or run or walk or whatever. That means even those who are not God dwellers, get this, who are not God's people and believe in Jesus and all that stuff. The difference here is the psalmist recognizes that they didn't get destroyed when he should or could have only because of the God in control factor. And again, here's the hard part. David, if he wrote the psalm, he died one day. He eventually got old, got old man problems. You know, some some of you have suffered some serious damages and under some unexplainable things happening to you. Now, my mom, who loved the Lord most of her life and led many others to him, died in an unexpected way but not because the scary thing had its way. Because, let me tell you, she never stopped believing ultimately that if this thing does happen, God is in control. And that there's no reason to fear it as the power to be feared. I can tell you, she didn't live her life afraid of it, but trusting and looking to God who alone was in control of those things. Because as the psalm says, God alone is the one who can save you. The psalmist says this in verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And then in verse 9, if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you. No disaster will come near your tent. Shadow means secret place means hideaway, undercover, underground, like underground railroad, right? Freedom from slavery and death and then wings and then the angels guarding him. The word guard, when it talks about the angels shielding him, it means a hedge. Just angels putting a fence around you and then the words shield and covering. What it means is this, God saves us by giving us a refuge, a place and person to run to and hide in. It is a refuge that is visible and real and invisible and real powerful, right? There is a real visible refuge. I mean, the stories of David in the Bible, they ain't just spiritual. It doesn't chronicle the spiritual things that happened to King David or when before he was a king. I mean, there was a period in his of civil war in his city and David is on the run and the enemies of his country hide him. He lives with them. God provided them. And then we see the Lord giving him comrades like when jealous King Saul wanted to kill him. Saul's son Jonathan saves David from his father secretly. God gives him hiding and protection and real people and places and institutions and promises. Promises and contracts. Got a call last week. I get these, you know, every now and then these kind of crazy calls. Crazy, I don't know. Person wasn't necessarily crazy, but just out of the blue calls. 
Is this Pastor Brown? Yeah. What y'all got going over there at Christ Central? Uh-oh. Y'all have any standards over there? Y'all just seem to be a safe haven for all kind of stuff. What? I was like, and she kind of explained what she meant. I said, you're right. This place is a safe haven for all kinds of stuff. This is a safe haven. Yes, we are before God harboring all types of sinners and criminals and that this is a safe, it is safe in a grace way, but it's unsafe in the sense that God is protecting and redeeming and it is saying, run right here. You're the worst sinner you can imagine. Run on, run right up in here. You're running from condemnation or fear or something you think can get you. Run all up in here. This is a safe haven. It's what the Bible talks about when it says refuge. It is a real place where people come and they come to a God who is forgiving and powerful and protecting and keeps them from the condemnation and destruction they even deserve. Just like you and y'all are. With all the sin and the devil and world all in and on you. And if you make him the place that you dwell, he will be a refuge for your mess and your fear about yourself and the condemnation. You know, people who put on you stuff so you can be more acceptable or perform or or be like them or achieve something. Some of you are running for mom and dads or, or your unfair expectations and some sin pattern or some abuse. Come to this place as a refuge of God's protection. I just think we're kind of like the spiritual espionage place up in here. What's going on at Christ Central? We got all kind of people up in there, y'all. Come on in here. Refuge. But it's the spirit world, right? In verse 11 and 12, it talks about the angels putting a shield around you. Real stuff, but stuff you can't see that works in the darkness of the spirit world. I've said this before, I believe, in the Daniel sermon series. I said, you know what? This thing's bigger than you. You can't see it. What do we believe? Yeah, we believe there's a devil and there's demons and demonic powers and all kind of stuff flying around in invisible space, doing all kind of crazy stuff. Yeah, we believe it. You know them Frank Peretti books and all? We don't necessarily believe all the stuff he kind of put together, but I'm just saying, all that stuff about legions of all kind of evil spirits, Yes, it's out there. But when I say bigger than you, I'm talking about you can't control it, sheer and demonic sin and power yourself. You will get laid out. There's no defenses against it. But I'm saying it's bigger than you because guess what? The angels of God and God himself take on that stuff on your behalf. He's in control of that. And then he takes care of the danger. He not only takes the dangers on, he fixes and brings justice to it. Look with me at verse 7 and 8. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. And this is what he is saying. He will not only provide refuge, but redemption and justice. And bring light and rightness to all that is dark and wrong and scary. He's saying he's going to regulate. 
Yeah, Nate Dogg and Warren G. style. He's going to regulate. He's going to deal with it. He's going to handle sin and flesh and the devil now and for all time's sake, beginning in your life now. And he takes on your sin to make you righteous, justified before God. He offers that kind of refuge. And when a saying it will not come near you, the punishment of the wicked will be all wicked. But if you find refuge in the love and justifying righteousness of God, then the punishment shall not come near you. He's going to justify you. He's going to save you by fixing and making right and bringing justice and equity to all that tries to condemn you and frighten you or tear you away from him and tear you away from the dignity that he originally created and called you to, that he will take away and deal with the accusers and false accusers and deal with the devil and, yes, and cancer and disease and sickness and death, that he's going to handle all of that stuff. So don't be afraid. Reminds me of fall's coming, football season. Yeah. Reminds me of you go to the game, you know, that other team over there, band playing real loud. Da, 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 da. They all wearing their colors, they taunting you and all that. Especially if it's another team, somebody like UNC, Duke, NC State, you know, one of those teams. You know what I think? Only a matter of time. In four quarters, it'll be over. We'll win, right? What does he say? It's only a matter of time that the things that make you afraid, that taunt you, that cheer loudly as your adversary, that promise they're going to get you and take you out, the scripture saying is only a matter of time. So you can go in with confidence and not be afraid. The Lord's going to deal with the enemies that try to hurt you and destroy you ultimately. Yeah, you might be behind in the second quarter, but the fourth quarter of God's victory is on the way. I mean, I even think about the stuff that, that, that lives in you and you fearfully find comfort in that you shouldn't. You talk about the, you talk about the feathers surrounding you. I'm thinking about like a baby bird who is headed for or caught in a snare. God is actually going to keep you and save you from the destruction of the mess you have made from your own dumb decisions. But also deal with the fowler and the snare that sin will not have its ultimate way with you. God will shield you from its heart killing effects. You know, that, that though you want to run from him, and get away from him and possibly be captured and destroyed by what it is, God is going to deliver you from that. He's going to shield you from that condemnation and judgment. What, you know, those things a curious, disobedient little bird deserves. Thinking back, some stories, my childhood. We love Nintendo. Remember that, Terrence? The old school Nintendo with the flat paddles, with the red button, only a few buttons on the back of the day. Wasn't very complicated. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. You know it's just called Punch-Out, now I had to take Mike Tyson's name out off of it. Because he's trying to punch out the wrong people. <laughs> we would spend hours, Mama, put, boys, when you come home from school, don't play that Nintendo. Trying to listen for the garage door. She there? No, oh, yeah. Coming homework done? No, we had a lot. I'm just, I'm still in the middle of it. And every now she'll, she'll be like, wait, y'all been playing that Nintendo? And you kind of get the eyes. 
Because she ain't gonna lie. She'll find out. You just kind of get the eyes. She's like, boys, please don't play that Nintendo. That's gonna hurt you in school. All right, mama. Then she says, I'm praying for you. She had the voice. I'm praying. I'm not gonna punish you. When she did that, you're in trouble. I'm not gonna punish you. I'm just praying that the God would blow the Nintendo up. <laughs> we laugh like you laugh. <laughs> Woo! Crazy mama. Woohoo! Yeah. And we took it. She said, I'm not gonna put no hours on it. I'm not gonna tell you when you can't play it. Y'all disobey me. I'm just gonna pray the Lord blow that thing up. We're like, ah, yeah. Come on over, everybody. Six hours. Woohoo! High score. Ba boom. That thing blew up. I am serious. Joel was playing that thing. Headed to the high level. And that was it. <laughs> Scripture saying, you want to do things to harm you, little bird. There's a snare out there for you. You want to get in it. You want to go to destructive places. And God's going to blow it up. Why? Because he loves you. Verse 13 through 16. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. We got all the stuff about the bird. And the shield and the rampart, that wrapping thing, and then the lions and the cobra. And then verse, then we have the verses we just read. It means this. God gets in the middle of things in your life. He actually joins you on the battlefield, if you will. Not just as a partner or friend, but as your actual protection. Like body armor and feathers, he actually comes as a covering and da- join you against it in your struggle and dangers and arrows. And then the Bible is saying this, he puts himself in position as the shield and the rampart and the feathers to take the blow that you should get and deserve. You ever seen people get real afraid when they with other folk? They like to push other people in front of them. I do it. If I see a bug, oh, I push you right into the nest. If Jason, if Jason, hey, if Jason chasing us, you're going to get tripped. I'm telling you, you will. Like, oh, we all going to die. We all ain't going to die. Good. I'm being the next episode. You might get me to part three, but you're going down to part two. I mean, just, you, you, you know, when you're scared, you just, ah, you just kind of run behind something, a coward. The Lord is saying, if we look at the Isaiah, it, it, it paints God as one who is the armor clad warrior for his people. But in later in Isaiah, it actually describes God not only as the armor clad warrior, but as the armor itself that takes the arrows 
for redemption, for our healing from all our scary stuff, to keep us spiritually alive from all the evil forces. Well, that scripture, this one points to what God and Jesus Christ did. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave and sent his son, Jesus, to us, which means Jesus came and joined himself to people like a shield, like an armor and feathers over us. And the Bible tells us he takes the hit of sin and the effects and evils and ills and scary stuff in a sinful world for us, that he came to be our shield, that he takes on the condemnation of sin. He took on the devil and was whipped and bruised and beat for you. He is your shield that if you find yourself among the arrows and in the disease and in the distress and in the terror and and with the lions and the cobras, he is there to be found to to hide and to to seek eternal protection from for you to run to and run behind and the bible says to call on his name you can trip him up so you can get away in fact you didn't have to he tripped himself up for you but it also means it's not only does he join himself to your life, you're not joined to his life. Now, there's a nuance here. It seems like it repeats itself, right? It says, in verse 13, you tread upon a lion and a cobra, then you will trample the great lion and the serpent. Now, the first one, the lion and the cobra, these are things, evil things in evil places, sinful things, you know, deadly things that God, you know, that just happens in the world. But the second group, these are like things God is against. The great lion, the serpent, right? These are the enemies of God. You know, but, but what he's doing is God is going up against it. He is at war with it. And it is saying not only will God join himself to your life, but he is joining and calling you to his life. To go where and through and experience only what God does and with it the victory that only God can get over these things. What am I saying? God is calling us to be and go where we automatically don't go. To be and go where those things are prevalent. That you will not be afraid to go to the scariest, deadliest places and persons. Not because you are an adrenaline freak, but because you are called to go there as one whom God protects and preserves. Jesus went and still goes to some seedy and dark and terrifying and unpredictable places. You should read about his life. He goes deep into the heart of the city, to the worst places and people and situations and unjust institutions, even death itself. Because you are joined to the life of God in Jesus Christ, do not fear to go there in your life, in the life of others, because God is going there and he calls you to go too. You know, it's like we are going to be the stupid, dumb folk in the horror movies as God's people, right? We're going to go into the woods where there ain't no light. We're going to go into the dark room knowing evil and death is in there. We will ask the question, hello, are you there? You know, all of that stuff. 
Yes, we gonna be the ones who go into the graveyards of our lives in this world with the creaky sounds and, and spider webs of forgetfulness. Yes, God is going and now calling you and me to go to where the folks say, you crazy kids shouldn't have dug, dug that stuff up, to family histories and, and past abuses and present addictions and all the real bad sins and, and all sorts of sexual issues and all sorts of social issues. We go there because we are called and joined to the life of God that goes to those places to bring redemption and freedom and power and control and call you and me and others to this hope. Let me say this. Lions and serpents, the metaphorical meaning here, is not pretty. It means death. You go in a lion's cage, you're going to die. I don't care if you those guys at Las Vegas. They got bit too. You're going to die. If a serpent bites you, only a matter of time. That even though we go there, God is calling us to go through death and suffering's door. That even though we go there, we will be protected and preserved. Even if our body die and fail and fall apart, we will not be lost to it. Whatever it be, to face our death with victory, to face our suffering with hope, yes, to go and live in and live with the lions and the serpents as those God will preserve. Why? Because Jesus went there and rose again and beat it. And we will go there and be willing to go there and trample it only because we are joined to his resurrection life and love for us. Closing with this. My mom is in a place only God could have brought her and called her. She died and still lives. She went into the mouth of the lion, experienced a serpentine cancerous death when it sunk its venom into her body on this side. Yes, her body failed. But her Savior tramples the lion and the serpent. And now she with him tramples on them through it and now she dwells and abides as she did on this side but better forever now as a God dweller. God dweller. Do not be afraid. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there's so much to be afraid of. We got mess inside and mess outside. In your scripture it says that he, meaning Jesus, will crush the head of the serpent. That yes, it will bruise his heel. But you have ultimate victory over all the deadly, evil things in the world. Help us not to be afraid to go and exist and be and live 
You are in control. You alone can save us. You alone love us. Help us to not be afraid. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.